0: Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to His kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. Oh. If you want to follow along in your Bible this morning, if that's something you, you like to do, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. That's where we're going to be this morning. We, we, the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at the four squares of the four square gospel church. Um, we as, as Cornerstone Church are part of the Four Square Gospel Church of Canada. That's the denomination that, that we are a part of. And our denomination has sort of four, well, the name implies four squares that, that we build sort of all of our theology and, and all of our, our stuff around. And so we've been exploring these four squares to help us get an idea of, of who we are as a church. And the four squares of the Four Square Gospel Church all point back to Jesus. Is, is that's the main thrust. Each one of the squares is part of the picture of who Jesus is for us. And, and we began by looking at the first square, the, the cross, that the Jesus is our Savior. And last week we began to talk about Jesus, the second square, um, Jesus the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Now, I feel like last week we laid a lot of tracks and we looked at a lot of concepts and scriptures and and we looked at sort of this idea of what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But I don't know that we got the full circle all the way around back to, to, we we sort of talked about a theological idea of what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. But we didn't necessarily bring it all the way back around to, to us. To our lives for, for what it means for us, for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What it means for me to have the active, powerful Spirit of God at work in our lives. And so I want to do that before we move on to our next square next week, Jesus Christ the Healer. I want to I take a, some more time this morning to just explore this idea of what it means that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. What it means to have the Holy Spirit in in us. Now, if you are are connecting the dots, as as I've said, you turn here and, and this is what we're talking about, and all of those things, you may be wondering why, in order to talk about Jesus Christ, the baptizer with the Holy Spirit, we're turning to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings. That that, that almost can seem like there's there's a disconnect between those two things. And, and, and we will get there and I'll explain to you because what I want to look at today is is a picture of why we need to have the Holy Spirit in our lives and what impact it has on our lives and the lives of those around it. And I want to do that by looking at, at a story from the Old Testament, the story of, of par, well, a story of, of the life of a man named Elisha. And this portion of his life that was connected to a woman and her family and, and what inviting the presence of God into your life can do for you, and, ha- and, and the, the sort of the, the results of all of that. So our story begins in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And it says, one day Elisha. And so I just want to pause there for a minute, because we probably need to unpack a little bit of who Elisha was. He's he's pretty central to this story and pretty central to to everything that's about to transpire. And so we need to at least lay lay some foundation. If you don't know who Elisha was, it's kind of important. Elisha was God's prophet. Um, And we'll talk about what that means in a second. But he was the protege of Elijah. So Elijah had a protege whose name was Elisha. And so the, Elijah served as God's prophet. Um, and then at the end of his life, I guess you could say, um, Elijah was being taken up into heaven in a flaming chariot. Now that's a story for another day that we're not going to get into now. I know that sounds a little whoa. Um, that, but we'll, we'll talk about that maybe another day. But today, just know that that happened. But Elijah or Elisha in that moment asks Elijah, he says, what I would really like is I would like whatever spirit is on you, whatever spirit is working through you to, that's allowed you to do all the things that you've done. And you may, you probably, if, you, if you've been around church circles, you're probably more familiar with the stories of Elijah, then perhaps you are the stories of Elisha. Elijah's on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and fire coming from heaven and burning stuff up. And and he he doesn't rain for seven years and kind of all all of these things. And that's the story of Elijah. But Elisha, his protege, protege says, whatever spirit that's been on you, that's allowed you to do all of these things, I want a double portion of that. I want twice whatever it is that's on you. And then when, when Elijah is taken up into heaven in that chariot, Elisha took over for Elijah as God's prophet. Now, what a prophet in the Old Testament time really was, was it was God's way of speaking to people. Is is this is before, obviously it's the Old Testament, so it's before Jesus, it's before the Holy Spirit became available to all of us. And so he sort of became like God's spokesperson here on where he would speak on behalf of God and deliver messages from God to people. And and he was sort of like the 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 God spokesperson that, that would speak on behalf of God. And he, he, it means that he spoke for God, he worked for God, and he lived his, his life in service for God. Which, which may sound glamorous, but if you read the stories of, of these guys' lives, it's not the most glamorous, wonderful position to have. Their lives were often marked with difficulty and suffering. Um, but, but that's who Elijah was, and Elisha comes to fill these stories. And so Elisha is, is, becomes God's guy here on earth. And so one day this guy, Elisha, went on, so if we continue in the verse, went on to Shunem. Now, Shunem, just in case you're wondering, because it's sometimes important to bring context to these things, um, that we can so easily read these kind of parts of Scripture and just sort of skip by them, because we don't know anything about this place, so what does it matter? Um, But I'd like to just let you know that really the place of Shunem doesn't really matter. Um, there, there's not a lot of, of context in the Bible. Sometimes when you read in the Bible and you can read about a place and actually if you dig deep, it's like this really amazing like you know, Easter egg in the story of the Bible where like if you discover this, then actually Shunem's not that. Um, it was kind of a small village halfway between Jerusalem and the Sea of Galilee. It shows up a couple of times in Scripture. The, the, the Philistines camped there one time. But apart from this account... Never, there was never much of significance that took place there, um, and so the verse continues. One day Elijah went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there and to eat food. This this woman sees Elijah passing by her house again and again. Actually, before, before we get into this, I just want to give you a little disclaimer. We are done talking about Elijah. We're only going to talk about Elisha from now on. So if by chance I happen to say Elijah, don't get confused. I meant Elisha. That, that it, Elijah or Elisha from here on out, same guy, all Elisha. But this woman sees him passing by again and again, over and over. The, the, this guy keeps going back and forth, and, and, she sees, and she has compassion. She has hospitality in her, and, and so she offers him uh, something to eat. She says, well, when you're passing by, why don't you just stop by here, and I'll give you something to eat. And, and so that, that's what happens. But, and, and so, but it's not just that she sees this random guy walking by, But she knows who Elisha is. Um, He knows who who Elisha is. Is, is She says to her husband, she said to her husband, "Um, Behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. She's hearing the story of Elisha, and she knows who he is. She recognizes this guy passing back and forth. And so it's not just that she has compassion on this person, but she recognizes that the the man of God is passing by. She's hearing all these amazing stories of, of all the things that he's done, that he's healing people, that he's changing people's lives, that he's even shaping the scope of cities. And they're hearing these stories. And so she says, we need to provide care for this person. We need to, invite them in to our house as she's seeing him pass by time and again. And for us today, the first takeaway that I want to want to give you from our story is, I wonder for how many of us here today, here or, or online, in our lives right now, the Holy Spirit is just passing by. He, he's just passing by in front of us. He is here and he is present. But I wonder for us for how many is the Holy Spirit passing by for you right now? And, and maybe, just maybe, you're, you're missing out on seeing him. You see, Shunam wasn't a, a, a community of two. There was other people who lived in, in that community, and Elisha was passing back and forth through that community, but it was this woman who noticed. And I wonder for how many of us, the Holy Spirit is passing by right in front of our eyes and we're not, we're not seeing it. Elisha was passing by time and again and eventually this woman sees him and recognizes him. my prayer for each of us today, for you today, is that we would see the Holy Spirit that we would recognize the Holy Spirit, that He wouldn't just keep passing us by, passing us by and walking in front of us again and again, and, and we don't see it. There are just so many things that can cause us to miss the Holy Spirit. Just like for the people who missed Elisha. Is, is everybody in town had the same opportunity this woman had to see him, but they missed him. They didn't realize it. They didn't see it. Life is busy. We we have our own stuff going on. So much to grab, demand, and require of our attention. So many things that can take our, our focus, our time, our attention, and just grab it and hold on to it. And not even necessarily like in an intentional to pull it away from God kind of like evil kind of way. Just life is life. And stuff happens and suddenly you have to pay attention to this and you have to pay attention to this and you have to pay attention to this. How am I supposed to notice this one guy that passes by our house every now and again? I would wager that that same scenario is probably true if, if you live in... in the city is probably true for every single one of us, that there is probably somebody who walks by your house regularly. It may not be the prophet of God, but my guess is that on every street, there's people who walk by the houses regularly, and we don't notice them. And it's not bad that you don't notice. You don't, it's not, you don't need to sit at the front window of your house with a camera and a checklist to, to see. oh there's another oh that he was here three weeks ago all of, but, but the reality is is that that we don't part of the reason why we don't notice is because we 're not looking, and part of the reason why we 're not looking is because we don't have time to look. How am I supposed to see this guy walking down the street again and again with everything else that 's happening in my world or or maybe I'm, I'm so secure in the life that I have that I don't need to see someone else. I have it all together. Someone else may need to see Elisha, but me, I'm good. When, when we're first introduced to this woman in, in Scripture, we're told essentially one thing about her. We're, we're told that she's wealthy. That, that we're told that she lives in the town of Shunem. She's wealthy. And that's about all we know. And we, we discover that she's married. And later on in the story, we're going to discover that she doesn't have any kids. But, but the one piece of information we're given is that she's wealthy. So, so maybe she could be excused for not looking for more out of life. She, she already had enough. And, and maybe we can be the same with the Holy Spirit. I don't need more of him. I, I kind of have it all together. I don't really need to change the way I think. I don't really need to change the way I relate to people. I don't need to examine the way in which my words might have hurt people. Even if I think I'm right, I don't need to walk or live with humility. I don't really see places for God to work in my life anymore. I don't know that I need the Holy Spirit to work in me. But I do know somebody who does. And so I'm going to pray that they'll see the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray that they'll see Elijah because they really need God to work. I don't need to be selfish and keep all the God to myself. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray that this person would really have an encounter with God. And perhaps our own self-righteousness can actually get in the way of our ability to look and see the Holy Spirit. But, but not this woman. For all the reasons that she could have not seen Elisha, She does. She sees him and she begins to welcome him. She begins to feed him. She begins to introduce this man into her life and into her world. But then she takes it even one step further. In verse 10 she says, Let us make a small room on the roof with walls. Now it qualifies as a room, I suppose. And put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. So that whenever he comes to us, he can go there. They they make room for Elisha in their home. And they go to Elisha and they say to him, You can sleep here. You, you, You can come and make our home your home. You can come and and make this place your home. Make this your home. Make yourself at home. You don't have to go all the way to your destination. You don't have to travel all this way. You can stop and rest here. You don't have to get a hotel room or whatever. You can stay here. We've made a space for you. And Elisha takes them up on it and he begins to stay there and rest there. Verse 11 says, One day Elisha came and he went up to his room and he laid down there. They made room, or they made a room for him. They made room for him, and he stayed. I wonder for us today, have have you made room for the Holy Spirit in your life? And, And I mean, really opened up your life to the Holy Spirit. See, I think sometimes we as Christians can be guilty of almost wanting to visit the Holy Spirit in a zoo. And, and what I mean by this is, is I love to go to the zoo. I love it. It's one of my favorite places. I love to be able to go and see the animals. I love to be able to go and, and get up close to these animals. I, I love to be able to get within a couple of feet from, say, a lion. And experience what it's like to be close to a lion. But to still have all of the safety measures in place. That that, uh, we got so close to a lion one time at the Calgary Zoo that it peed on us. But... There was still a fence in the way, and there was another fence in the way. He just had really good aim and could get it in between everything. But we still have all of the safety and distance to not really have the lion have the effect on my life that that lion could have and probably would like to have if all of those safety measures weren't in place. That I love to go see the lion. I'm not so keen to enter into the lion's pen. That There's a difference there. And I think sometimes we can live like this with the Holy Spirit. We want to get close. We want to get close to the Holy Spirit. We we want to feel the warm and fuzzies of of being up close to the Holy Spirit. We can sing sing things like this. And I like this song, so I'm not criticizing it. And we sang it this morning, but we can say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and, and change the atmosphere. It's a great sentiment, but even in times like that, there can be this little bit of distance that we're creating unintentionally or not where it's like, God, come and fill this room. Change the atmosphere in this room where where we're, we're stepping in, but we can almost still keep that little bit of distance because we don't always want to really make room for the Holy Spirit to work in us because it's not Holy Spirit come into my life and change me, change my life, work in me, show me where I'm not who I should be, show me where I'm falling down, show me where I'm blind to my own sin. And we can, we can have this, this same kind of attitude towards the Holy Spirit for the same reason that I really don't want to get too close to a lion. Because it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It can be dangerous to let the Holy Spirit into our lives. Dangerous because He's going to work in us. He's going to show us things that need changing. He's going to show us things in our lives that are not the way that they should be. He's going to poke you where it hurts. He's going to call us to be different, to live different, to maybe change our way of thinking or change the way of our speaking, our way of loving, our way of criticizing, our way of relating to one another. The things that we look at our lives and we say, I'm good here. When we let the Holy Spirit in, when we really open up our lives to Him, suddenly we can begin to discover that some of the places where we're, I'm good, maybe we're not as good as we thought. And so we, we can get as close as we can to the Holy Spirit, but just keep that right amount of distance so, so that we can, can see him. Maybe we've gone as far as the woman in the beginning of the story where, where we'll have the Holy Spirit over for lunch. Where, where we'll invite him in and we'll, we'll give him something to eat, but then be on your way. But we don't want to get too close for too long or, or we don't want to really make room for him in our lives all the way. See, sometimes when we talk about things like the Holy Spirit, and we talked about this a little bit last week, that we can think that, that the Holy Spirit being in our lives equals things like miracles and cool God tricks. That when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we talk about, God, I want your Holy Spirit in my life, that suddenly we're just going to get to do all of these really cool things. And we're going to be healing people. And we're going to be performing miracles. And we're going to be able to to speak in these other languages. And we're going to be able to, to deliver words of prophecy to each other. But a huge part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he works on us. He changes us. Do you know what happens when the Holy Spirit moves in? He starts redecorating and he starts renovating. He starts tearing things and ideas and ways of doing things down and rebuilding us the way that we should be. It's dangerous to invite him in. But the woman and her husband. They open up their homes to Elisha, and they invite him in. And and I want to challenge you today, don't just invite him into this room. Don't just ask him to fill this place. Don't just ask him to change the atmosphere out here. But I want to invite you today to invite him to work in here to work in you today because that's what really matters. The atmosphere in this room is important and our love and our unity and I believe those are the things that they're addressing and all of that, that we want to be open to the move of the Holy Spirit as a body. But invite him in here and allow him space and room to work. Don't just say, Holy Spirit, change the atmosphere in this place, but do the dangerous thing. Invite him in and really make space for him, or for him and you and allow him to work. Now I want to continue to move through this story a little bit. We're going to jump kind of over a few verses here. And we're going to, we're going to move towards the end. But we're going to move next to, to verse 16. Um, Elisha discovers that this woman, this woman hasn't ever had a child. And so he says to her, about this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord. Or, or he, he speaks from God and, and tells her that she's going to have a baby. And, and this is hard for her to accept because babies were not really on their radar. And you can see this because her response to the word of God is this. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant." And she has this moment where, where he says, You're gonna have a baby, and, and she has this response of like, don't say that. Don't don't tell me that. Don't don't trick me into getting my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up for something that we all know is going to happen. She says, you know, my husband is old, and, and we've never had kids, and we're we're not, this is not a thing. Essentially, he she says, Don't you lie to me, don't, don't play with me. But sure enough, verse 17 says, But the woman became pregnant, and, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. And, they, and everyone lived happily ever after. Not exactly. Uh, the next verse, verse 18. The child grew, and, and one day he went to his father, who was out with, with the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. His father told the servant, Carry him to his mother. The responsibility that mothers bear. <laughs> his son is, is obviously in pain, and dad says, I don't know what to do. Take him to mom. She'll, she'll figure it out. <laughs> mom will get it. If anybody's going to know what to do, it's going to be mom. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon. And then he died. We don't really know what happened to this boy. Um, You you can medically guess. He had a brain aneurysm. We we, we don't know. But one day, he's got a real bad headache. And and he dies. Their miracle boy just seems to die. Now, Now, the woman, mom knows what to do. You know, mom knows what to do. As we read through the story, she says, I'm going to go find Elisha. I'm going to go find the man of God. I'm going to go find this person, this person that we've welcomed into our home and our lives. I'm going to go find the presence of God here on earth. He will know what to do. And so, so she goes and she finds him. And she tells Elisha what's happened. And then we're not going to read through it because it's kind of... Weirdly inconsequential to the story. But there's this odd thing that happens as Elisha tries to help. He, he sends his servant on ahead of him and, and says, Don't talk to anybody. Just go. And if somebody tries to stop you, just keep going. And he tells him to lay his staff on the, on the body of the boy and it doesn't work. And so we're going to skip over kind of all of that. But then we come to verse 32. And you know, sometimes the Bible can be amazing Sometimes the Bible can be weird, and sometimes it can be both. And this, my friends, is both. Verse 32, Elisha, so, so the mom has come to Elisha, he's sent a servant on ahead, and he's followed behind, and, and, and so he's come to see what he can do to help this boy. Verse 32, when Elisha reached the house, there was the boy laying dead on his couch, now the his that's noted here is not the boy's couch, it's Elisha's couch. Remember when I said that he's going to renovate, he's going to move in, he's going he's to start making this place his own that if we invite the Holy Spirit, in, well, it's the same thing that Elisha did. This is they've they put elisha, or they've put the boy in the space that they've made for elisha. So verse 33 says, he went in, Elisha went in, shut the door uh, on the two of them, and he prayed. To the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and he stretched himself out on him, and the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got back on the bed and stretched out on, on him once more, and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And Elisha summoned Sh- Gazi and said, Call the Shunammite. That, that's the Gazi, is, is his servant, the guy who came and put his staff on the boy. And, and he said, Call the Shunammite. That's the woman that the, the, the story is kind of also based around. And did. And when she came, he said, Tear, take your son. She came in and fell at his feet and bowed down to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Sometimes the Bible is, is amazing. Sometimes the Bible is weird, and here it's both. All of the stuff that takes place, you you can gloss over this story and just be like, and then Elijah came back and prayed for the boy and he was raised from the dead. And that's what happened, but we read this story and all right. But the boy is raised back to life. Now, to conclude this story, I want to say to you The more room we make for the Holy Spirit in our lives, the more room there is for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. When we crowd out the Holy Spirit, we Oh, I'm too busy. I have too much going on. My life is just too much. I can't add another thing. I don't have time for that. When we crowd out the Holy Spirit, simply, we miss out on the Holy Spirit. That if we we don't make room for the Holy Spirit, if you don't make room for the Holy Spirit in your life, you will miss out on the Holy Spirit. But when we make space for God, God moves. When we provide a place for God, God will move in that place. And so what that means, friends, is that the places that you want to see God work, make room for Him there. Make room for him in the places of your life that you need to see God work. Make room for him in your life and you will see God work. It's not an if, it's a when. And sometimes it's the things that we want to see, and sometimes we'll see that it's dangerous. That sometimes we can we can say, God, I, I just wish you would fix my wife. And what we discover is that it's not our wife that needs fixing. It's, it's me. Sometimes we can say, God, would you do something with these kids? And it's dangerous because God says, actually, it's not your kids that are the problem. God, would you do something about my boss? Maybe it's not your boss that God's trying to change that we invite God and we make room in our lives and we say, God, come in and work and I want to have room for you to work in my life and my marriage and my, my family and my work and all of these areas of my life. And God comes in and says, it's not everybody else, it's you. Sometimes it can be dangerous. But rest assured, the more room you make in your life for the Holy Spirit, the more you're going to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And so when we talk about the second square of the four square gospel, we talk about Jesus, the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on us in Jesus' name. We read that last week. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out on us, we will see God work in our lives. God has so much for you. And in the receiving of the Holy Spirit, we are put in a position to move forward into everything that God has for us. I don't
1: want to live in the shallows.
0: Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church, Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie, follow us on Twitter at csairdrie, and on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at You can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie Campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the Gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow I'm Jesus together as family we go.
1: There's
0: no life
1: without you in